0: Earning a degree from UCF Online doesn't mean you have to live far away. In fact, in a national survey, three out of four online students said they live within 100 miles of their college. Regardless of where you are or where you want to go, UCF Online offers the in-demand degrees and student support you need to succeed. No wonder U.S. News & World Report ranks UCF among the nation's top 15 online programs for undergrads. Learn more at ucf.edu online.
1: From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I am Tom Cavanaugh. And I am Kelvin Thompson. And you, dear listener, are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. You're dear to me. Yes. I thought I'd, you know, mix it up a little today.
2: Kiss kiss up to the listeners.
1: (laughs) Both of them, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's at least six. Our our statistics tell us that there's at least six. At least six, yeah. Something like that.
1: Cool. All right. So we have a very special TopCast today. Aren't they all? And one of the things that makes it so special is that you've brought in coffee.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess we haven't said this in a while. Um, you know, the conceit, right, is it's a <laughs> collegial conversation over a shared cup of coffee. It's a lot of
1: alliteration.
2: Is it? Yeah, I guess that's true. Anxious anchors. It's <laughs> a line from... Broadcast news. (laughs) (laughs) So you know, we got to have the coffee. We occasionally hear from the tea drinkers. "Eh." I occasionally hear from people. I fast forward, but we try to make it relevant, right? The the coffee bit tries to relate. to
1: We have gotten. You told me because you track this closer than I do, but that we have gotten some comments that people who like the banter. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Yeah, I I I hear
2: that. It's like hey, it humanizes. It's more of a conversation, and you know, and uh, makes it. It's not just you know kind of so intense and and dense and in terms of content that it's hard to process while you're driving down the road or walking yeah, your dog or don't whatever. They want to
1: sit here going. Here's what you need to
2: know. That's right. Five things. Well, let me I'm going to write this down quick. <laughs>
1: it's like video
2: lecture capture students at,
1: at double speed <laughs> that's right i wonder how many people do listen to us at a, at a different speed well, some people i'm sure would like to get it done as fast as possible <laughs> i've done that on occasion i think i can't do double speed that's just too fast uh-huh. but um i have occasion like the i have an apple uh, mm-hmm. iphone and so the uh the podcast app allows you to go one and a half speed yeah and i'll do that sometimes yeah. depending on what it is or if i'm like near the end and i kind of i don't uh-huh. I need to finish it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even okay. though I kind of don't need to finish it, but I need to finish it. It's my own anal retentive sort of obsessive compulsive. I, I think
2: I've experimented with it uh, a couple times, but generally the stuff that I listen to, I'm, I'm not motivated to speed it up.
1: I rarely do, but occasionally I will. And so
2: do you think it is like really didactic content that you find yourself doing that on? Like it's more dry
1: and you want to just kind of get through the... The main points. Yeah. Yeah. A couple times and spend that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I wonder yeah, about but that. But usually I don't because I listen to it for enjoyment, right? Not for.
2: So the banter, one might say, is a strategy for helping people slow down.
1: Slow down, folks. Right. Have a cup of coffee. Slow down. Pull up a chair. you go too fast. <laughs> you got to make. Careful, the we're going to have to pay royalties to Simon and Garfunkel. And, and, and that could be expensive. <laughs> it can, yes. That's right. That Garfunkel is litigious. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if that's I don't true know. or not. <laughs> Yeah, that's it.
2: So, well, our, we are drinking a cup of coffee. We we are. Uh, so today's coffee, I'm sure you want to know. Uh, it, I do. Is called Taste of Austin. So they they just Austin, took,
1: Texas, right? Yeah,
2: they took just went sweeping around the town. And just took it. <laughs> it's a taste. No, that's not what it is. So it's called. Some good barbecue T- in Austin. Yes. Yeah, but it's not in this cup though. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's probably and it's and it's weird too. They say keep Austin weird, but yeah. I don't think the coffee's that. We- well, it's a little bit weird, but it's not too weird. So it's called Taste of Austin, and it's not surprisingly, as you said, from Austin, Texas. Not from some guy named Austin. Uh, that, that'd be good too. Yeah. <laughs> You could have this guy named Detroit, and it can be of de- <laughs> Detroit. It could be fun. Hey, you want a taste? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so this is a flavored coffee blend from mm. uh, a brand called Café Olé, which is a Texas grocery store brand.
1: So it's O-L-E Olé,
2: not Café Olé. Right. Yes. That's correct. Uh, you know, Ole, ole.
1: Yes, I mean, a whole or uh, Espanol, ole. Yeah, that's correct.
2: You know. Ole. So, interestingly, I have to say, I don't know, you take a whiff yourself, but I think, uh, apparently, Austin, Texas, smells and tastes quite similar to Jamaica. At least if the Jamaica me crazy coffee from back in episode 49 is any, indi- any indication.
1: Maybe it's yeah. the cinnamon. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if my palate is so refined that I go, oh, that's what that one tastes like. I think that it tastes similar as <laughs> to me all coffee tastes okay similar. great thanks tom <laughs> really and uh, goodness i'm just
2: going to start picking up some mcdonalds on the way just <laughs> <laughs> nah, I g- do
1: occasionally taste differences. That, That's um, good. Yeah, and different hints of something. It's because it's, your proof your has changed. <laughs> That's right. That's Over right. time. That's Some, right.
2: Something like that. Anyway, so how's the coffee and how's the connection to today's episode? Uh, the coffee
1: is good and the the connection's pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I get it. Uh-huh. I think I get it. it okay. It's one of those on-the-nose connections that oh. I, I'm such a fan of. Yes. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so so do tell. So what's so, today's episode so, about? So uh,
1: your coffee is from uh, is from Texas. Yep, Central Texas, as is our guest on today's episode. Indeed. Um, so uh, back during the Online Learning Consortium's uh, OLC's uh, Accelerate Conference back mm-hmm. in 2018, mm-hmm. you, Kelvin, interviewed Dr. Susan Wegman. I did, and Dr. Wegman serves as Associate Dean of Digital Learning and Innovation at the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor in Belton, Texas. Mm -hmm. Texas, It's an hour or so northeast of Austin, so central Texas there. There it is. Um, Some years ago, Susan was also a fine and favored colleague of ours here at UCF. I miss her. I do too, and has been on a journey from successful online faculty member to a positional digital learning leader. That's with true. With some gravitas and authority.
2: Yeah, for yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, and, and by all accounts, she's doing she's doing a great job. Sure seems,
2: seems like it to me.
1: So you spoke to her at OLC Accelerate last year. Mm-hmm. And um, through the magic of podcast time travel, Ooh, I love that. we can um, now go back and revisit that interview and maybe come back on the other side and, and have a few reflections.
2: Well, thanks, Susan, very much for being on TopCast. So much appreciate it
0: absolutely no problem wonderful to be here
2: yeah so as we were talking about before we hit record i think you've got a really interesting perspective um gosh i don't know how many years i've known you but used to be a, a faculty member in our college of education back when it was called that at ucf and then you went to a smaller um, faith-based institution within the state, and now you've gone on out of state into a, another bigger than the last one but smaller than the first one uh, kind of <laughs> institution along the yeah. way. But along with those institutional types, your role has changed. You've been a faculty member, and now you're in this, uh, this leadership role, and I thought that's an interesting story, right? So uh, digital learning leadership for an institution versus <laughs> being a faculty member, you were very successful as an online and blended educator. So I just thought, gosh, tell us that story and how's that <laughs> transition been for you?
0: Well, thank you for the opportunity. Um, you know, in part, the success I think came from the incredible beginning that I had with online education and that is just, you know, the the processes that I went through and the learning that occurred um, you know, UCF has such a great way of, of starting us out as faculty members and going through and really learning about the important things, you know, what it takes to become a, a really good and effective online educator. So I learned a lot, and I, I've always had this interest in online education, online interaction. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was natural for me when I became a, a dean of a college of, of education and also teaching online. Um, then I was asked to, to do some professional developments in online education across the campus. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden I was tasked with this huge job of taking what I knew about teaching online and then moving it into other fields. Mm -hmm. And so that provided me the opportunity to, to think outside my own content and really try to investigate First of all, what others were doing, and so the first place I looked was UCF, and and then other places, and and uh, the OLC, um, the WCET, um, and and just try to, to figure out, you know, how can I translate what I know and what I've experienced in online learning, and um, and make that jump. Well, then this last institution, the University of Mary Hardin Baylor, was firmly. Um, in this idea of, since I'm the associate dean of digital learning, mm-hmm. um, that is an expectation of you know uh, uh, providing professional development and making sure that across campus we have really good notions of online you know learning and teaching. Mm-hmm. So that it's been an interesting, um, I guess, a focus shift from my own courses and my own content. Mm-hmm. How do I translate that to online learning? But then, okay, now I need to, to shift focus to other. Content okay, and then I need to shift focus to institution wide. Mm-hmm. And uh, my provost has given me the opportunity to look at, you know, uh, really a challenge to do a strategic plan mm-hmm. for the next five years or so. Um, you know, what is it going to look like online education? Um, I think some really interesting thought leaders have have asked us to look at the future of online learning too, and and that's a, a I think a interesting prospect in that we don't know, of course, the future. But I think as we develop and learn as educators, we have to be open, you know, to whatever's coming next. Mm -hmm. So
2: So you've been at several different kinds of institutions, as we mentioned. Um, I would imagine, but don't know for sure, that online, blended, digital, whatever uh, (laughs) (laughs) label we want to use, uh, education its purpose at an institution say like at UCF mm-hmm. i would imagine has some similarities but some marked differences at an institution like Mary Hart and Baylor can you comment about that i mean you've you've been at UCF you've been at Mary Hardin sure. Baylor what what roles uh, are served similarly and differently
0: yeah i think that there are certainly some similarities in in terms of you know the old let's fill in the schedule with an online course kind mm-hmm. of things. Um, I think the students see online learning in, in, in probably some similar ways. But where I am now, we have such a, a definite place-based um, institution. So students come to Mary Hardin Baylor because they love the place. It is an incredible campus. It's a beautiful campus. Um, we have one of the, well, I'll say, the number one football team in our division. Um, we're yeah, actually... We,
2: we, we, we name ourselves <laughs> number one, too, at UCF.
0: <laughs> I said our division. <laughs> but uh, we're actually in the playoff uh, just this coming up weekend. And so we are, um, you know, there's a lot of fantastic things happening on campus. Mm-hmm. And so when you come to campus, you are definitely, an ex- it's an experience. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you become a member of the crew, we call it. We're the Crusaders, so we call it the crew. Uh-huh. And so, it's an interesting look at, you know, I I was tasked with this job of developing online courses, yet we don't want to do too many online courses, Mm. because we are still very, very happy with our face-to-face courses. So, don't mess up the value proposition. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. However... Our president and our provost are very forward thinking and we all, we, we certainly understand that online learning and online education is certainly a prospect of the future. Mm-hmm. And so they're very progressive in that way and uh, we do have several um, online uh, programs that are undergraduate and as well as our master's programs. So. And uh, one, I think, very progressive um, initiative that we have is the competency-based education programs we have. We have three or two that are fully online uh, programs. Then we have a teacher education um, initiative that's fully online starting up in January. So in a way, I think because we're so small, I think we have a lot of flexibility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so digital learning in fact was chosen, the, that phrase uh, was chosen as part of our title, part of my title, and then also part of the, the fabric of, of what I do and my identity um, on purpose so that it, digital learning can occur in a face-to-face course, mm-hmm. but it can also occur um, fully in the online platform. So um, it's just an interesting way to think about, You know, again, you can use an online course to, to, to fill a schedule, Make it a little easier to 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 meet out, you know, what you're going to do for that semester. But you can also look at it in terms of, yeah, I really need to to to, to make my courses online because I'm teaching full time or or working full time mm-hmm. while I'm going to school. Mm-hmm. Um, our competency-based education courses that I mentioned before are interesting in that we our students start at the fifteenth of every month. They pay a subscription fee for six months. And um, we are also veterans um, approved, so we have VA benefits. We sit next to, our, our campus is next to the largest um, army base in the free world in Colleen, um, wow. Yeah, so we have a lot of the military influence. Hmm. And um, so we're definitely looking at um, you know where we are, what we're doing, who our identity is. Mm-hmm. And of course, again, we're faith-based, and so mm-hmm. we're unabashedly um, we have that in our in our mission, and so we the degrees that we offer we offer an R.N. to B.S.N. in that program, and then we also offer a business um, organizational leadership. So it's a nice wide degree that um, I think is is interesting in that there's a lot that you can do with those degrees, both of them actually. Mm-hmm. But um, so it's interesting to think you know this this week at the online learning consortium conference we've heard a lot about what the future, again, is going to hold and what digital learning really means. Mm-hmm. And in different arenas and in different contexts, it certainly means different things. Mm-hmm. So.
2: so it sounds like at uh, Mary Hardin Baylor there's um, this place, sense of place and experience is a big deal. But is it true then that uh, the online aspect of digital in particular is is a way of reaching beyond the place, or is yes. it a way of, um, so in mm-hmm. other words, the students who are not gonna be part of that place, or is it a way to better serve in some ways the students who are gonna take advantage of that place? I
0: think both, but but certainly we are, our online courses and our CBE programs are those that are not place-based, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. those are the ones that are traditionally older than, mm-hmm, than mm-hmm, traditional mm-hmm. students. And uh, there's certainly a different population.
2: So you're explicitly taking, uh, yeah, going, marketing toward... Uh, yeah, those students. Because yeah. you wouldn't have come here otherwise, but now right. we're going to reach out to, to exactly. you. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And is that an... Uh, it's
0: an intentional yeah,
2: thing. Yeah, and enrollment growth... Uh,
0: Certainly, and in the past several years, they've experienced wonderful growth, mm-hmm. and it's it's you know a testament to certainly the the place, mm-hmm. but it's also a testament to the growth of online and mm-hmm. and hybrid. They've mm-hmm. got several hybrid programs that are you know um, succeeding very well. Um, we have several in our masters, especially in our business um, programs, and so I was
2: just about to ask you about that. So, hybrid or blended learning mm-hmm. seems like it would be an opportunity to try to. It's almost, well, it is cliche to say uh, leverage the best of both best worlds, of right? <laughs> but um, yeah. but that place uh, experience yeah. thing uh, mm-hmm. with the affordances of online, uh, What? not everybody can manage the hybrid program development. How has that right. been? Uh, what's that been like?
0: From what I can tell now, I've only been there about four months, but... Um, I think it's been really helpful and in fact, we're just putting the last uh, three programs in place and they have really had great success because they've done it well and they've, they've thought it out very well in the College of Business. They've got modular programs and so they're seven, week, eight, seven or eight week mm-hmm. courses and they're hybrid in that they meet face-to-face the first week and the last week. Mm-hmm. And then online in between, and mm-hmm. so they overlap the first and last in the middle. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So mm-hmm. the first week, and then the last week and the first week are the same in the middle, so that the students are on campus um, three times a semester. Mm-hmm. And when they, um, you know, are on campus, they can make uh, all full take full advantage of mm-hmm. you know football games if they want to come if it's during the fall season or you know, whatever the campus may have to offer. Mm -hmm. Um, So they'll typically come in on a Friday, you know, maybe spend all night, Friday night, and then Saturday as well, spend all day. And um, so it's been a really interesting opportunity for them. And I think, again, I think the uh, faculty and and the leadership have done a great job just because they've organized it well, thought about it well, and, and, you know, looked out to see what other institutions are doing. I think that's the way to do it and, and, and make sure that they're not overlapping yet they're doing enough overlap that it that it makes sense mm-hmm. so so
2: clearly your institution has been active in this space before your arrival but yes. if we use uh, Susan Wegman's arrival at Mary Hart and Baylor as a, <laughs> as a line of demarcation uh, I'll ask you what what is different about where digital learning is headed uh after your arrival there?
0: Um, a couple things. I'm tasked with this job of strategic plan, like mm-hmm. I mentioned before, mm-hmm. and part of that is our course refresh. Mm-hmm. Our courses have not been refreshed online. And so... Since their... Since their inception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have an incredible team of instructional designers, and there's not one online course that goes up that our instructional designers haven't been involved with, mm-hmm. and they have an in just amazing um, work ethic, and they work hand-in-hand with the subject matter experts, and it's it's quite a process they go through. However, about three years or four years into it, um, some of the courses have really needed refreshing. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I've instituted is the Oscar rubric. Mm-hmm. And Out of...
2: Uh uh, our, our colleagues at the State University System of New York. Exactly. Alex Pickett and her shop for Open SUNY. Yes, mm-hmm. and so
0: I'm anxiously awaiting, that's our first semester, um, this is our first semester doing that, and we're having our um, subject matter experts go through their courses doing that, and uh, also our instructional designers, and then we're gonna meet together and you know, kind of figure out where to go from there, and, and uh, thankfully we have some money in the budget to, to incentivize that as well, so that's been a nice process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also we're looking for these, you know, I hate to say high-impact practices, <laughs> but the other hat that I wear is I'm also the um, university assessment coordinator, mm-hmm. so I'm very much involved with the SACS DOC world. Mm-hmm. And Your
2: um, regional accreditor.
0: Yes, exactly, regionally accredited by SACS. And all of those wonderful things that we need to do for our regional accreditation, we also have to, of course, look at our online courses. And those high-impact practices and those things that... Makes sense with our courses online. Um, I'm not sure that that's really been paid attention to in the development of the courses. So as we refresh, mm-hmm. my eye is really looking toward, okay, what are we doing with, you know, active learning, mm-hmm. and what are we doing mm-hmm. with, even though it's online, we mm-hmm. still need to pay attention to those things. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's one thing that we can look back. I hope. We can look back on this year and say, okay, that's where Susan, (laughs) when (laughs) Susan got there, that's what she led.
2: Is that that latter part about the high-impact practices, is that something you're mm -hmm. weaving into the the Oscar Oscar. review?
0: It is, and it's also outside of in that it's um, an additional... Piece that I'm working on um, with each course, so everything goes through my offices and my eyes before it finally gets to mm-hmm. the very end. So, that's cool. Yeah, so it's been um, it's been interesting in that regard, and um, you know, as as the year goes on, there's I'm sure a lot more. Part of my title is also innovation, mm-hmm. and so right, right, I'm right. I'm looking at. Um, doing some focus groups, I've got a, a faculty group that I'm beginning to work with now. Mm-hmm. I'm also looking at um, some student groups because I know that our students are gonna lead the way in terms of innovation and mm-hmm. what, what's happening in their world and, and their realm, and then also what's happening in the faculty realm, um, and I wanna be able to listen to a lot of different voices and also, hopefully, be able to you know make some space for them you know to bring in what they're doing maybe in the outside world bring it into their education space. Mm-hmm. Um, we've heard a lot about gamification mm-hmm. and those sort of things, and I think we can learn from that. I don't think it's the exact same thing in education, but I think that we can learn from those same techniques. Um, so I think innovation probably has been overused, <laughs> but I think it's, it's something we can keep our eye toward, and um, it's, it's an exciting way, I think, to, to think about education in general.
2: Thanks very much for sharing a little bit about your journey, uh, career-wise and role-wise, and digital learning-wise. And you know, we should probably check back in with you in a year or so <laughs> and see see what kind of update there is in the journey uh, at Mary Hardin-Baylor with well, digital learning.
0: Thank you. I appreciate. It. This has been fun. Thank you.
1: So that was your interview with Susan, or should I say, Dr. Susan Wegman? Indeed. Yep yeah, she had a she had a lot of interesting things to say. Um, mm-hmm. You know I think uh, maybe something that is uh, has been part of her journey that might be relatable for others who might be listening is that she came from a kind of a pure faculty position, right. And um, became uh, I think, an expert in online learning. She's actually one of two faculty members here at UCF that have won online teaching awards from the Online Learning Consortium, or or Sloan, as it was previously called. Uh, So she knows what she's doing. For sure. She's she's really good at it. And then she's she's transitioned now into an administrative role, helping Mm -hmm. other faculty to have the same kind of success she has. And I I wonder how many of our listeners have had that same kind of a journey from a faculty member to an administrative role in digital and online learning.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, for some that might be – uh, an aspirational career path. For others, you're like, eh, I don't want to do that. I don't yeah. want to do the dark side. whatever. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, I think there's still some lessons to be learned um, from Susan's um, career path. Like, I, I didn't ask her this, but listening back to it, I thought, hmm, you know, some of the things she emphasized seemed to me to be skills that she honed and carried with her across her whole journey. That's not always the case, right? They that, you know, the conventional wisdom is the stuff that gets you to your to your position is not the stuff that, that keeps you there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I think in her case, some of the things that I heard her talking about, about uh, the importance of listening, mm-hmm. or I might think of that as being other focused, uh, the importance of taking personal responsibility. She talked about having her eyes on stuff and being evidence-oriented, she's you know been a researcher, research faculty member, and and um, uh, accreditation and assessment kind of person, and all of that. Uh, I think she's carried with her from the whole time that I've known her uh, over all the years as a faculty member and a um, administrative leader.
1: Yeah, uh, and I, I and, you know, of course, knowing Susan, I think all of those things are true. She mm-hmm. kind of embodies an awful lot of that. Really, mm-hmm. really good practice, good character. Right. Um, but you know, the, another thing that I thought that she said that was that was interesting, that was sort of thematic, was this this idea of um, institutional senior leadership support, uh-huh. specifically the the chief academic officer, the, right. the provost. Mm-hmm. You know, that that was certainly the case at the institution she was at prior to going to Mary Harden Baylor. Yep. It's the case there now yep. where she is, and. Even though she might have been a little bit removed from it as a faculty member here, that's certainly been the case here. Yeah. If we didn't have senior academic and even presidential support here, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be able to do the things that we want to do. So I think that's been a bit of a theme that runs uh, throughout her journey a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's interesting to note, too, that um, we, had a, we had a recent episode yep. of TopCast where we, we talked just about that topic with Casey Green um, you want to share what episode number that was?
2: Episode 52, Tom. Episode 52.
1: 52. I'll have mm-hmm. to check my tattoos. Uh, <laughs> every new episode gets a new tattoo. Like, I, that might, I might need the mirror to see that one. I'm just,
2: um, you went for the tattoo route. i am I'm just going body modification. I'm just taking off a quarter <laughs> of an inch off of my left pinky for every episode. Okay. No, that's not
1: true. That explains <laughs> your... Your odd handshake. That's, right. yeah. that's not that's not true at all. <laughs> just
2: to be just to be clear, uh, I also liked um, that Susan talk, gave that shout out to high impact practices. Yeah, a um, term I think that was coined probably by uh, what George Kuh. Um And uh, we'd be remiss perhaps if we didn't plug a relevant book co edited by another Top Cast guest, our friend and colleague Dr. Katie Linder. Uh, her book, High Impact Practices in Online Education Research and Best Practices, we'll stick a link in the the show notes to uh, that text. But in in fairness and full disclosure, I did write the foreword to that book, so <laughs> you don't you don't need
1: to go. Buy it just because we gave I've the endorsement. I've seen your name on the cover with a foreword by Kelvin yeah. Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, you know, maybe the last comment, you know, I'll, I'll make this another plug. Mm-hmm. Um, the episode after Casey Green's episode uh, Fifty-three was the one that we uh, very, you know, recently mm-hmm. within the last few months recorded at our live I E L O L Institute for Emerging Leaders and Online Learning event here mm-hmm. on campus. It's part of OLC professional development offerings. Right. And uh, Susan was one of the participants this year in that cohort. She yep. was able to kind of come back to here to Orlando and yep. be a part of that here at UCF. Um as part of that episode, or actually maybe as a as a extension of that episode, we we recorded uh, some bonus material
2: mm-hmm.
1: that was a, a QA in the room with the with the cohort and there was I don't know, sixty or seventy people yeah, in the room right. at the time. It was
2: highly engaging question and answer session. Yeah.
1: And so I, I'm gonna encourage you Listeners, uh, to maybe go listen to that uh, bonus material for episode fifty-three, and in fact, Susan asks a question mm-hmm. in it, so you can you can hear from her again and, and maybe uh, get a little more of her perspective. And, and you'll know mm-hmm. it's her because you'll recognize her voice, and we call her out by name. Oh, I that's thinking, true.
2: Too. So much for anonymity. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. We did tell everybody we were recording though, and um, we did embargo that for one month, but it's now live on our website. And again, if uh, you don't, if you're kind of a um, The smartphone app kind of a listener, uh, feel free to go over to the website. It's topcast.online.ucf.edu. And uh, you can go through our entire backlog, get all the show note material. But uh, for this episode, uh, or for the, excuse me, episode 53, just look down there and you'll see the bonus content uh, Q&A. It's worth a listen. I think so. I think it's really good. Almost 30 minutes, I think. 20, 30, something like that. Yeah, it was a great discussion. Yeah, it really was. Alright, well, should I try to bring us in for a landing, Tom? Do so. Alright. Well, let me try it this way after listening back to this interview with Susan. uh, It might be worth saying that each institution's digital learning story and each digital learning leader's journey are unique, but they each contain lessons to be learned by all of us. And we might ask ourselves, what lesson?
1: Does our story teach? Hopefully, it's a good one. It's a good one, boy. I've learned some lessons along the way. <laughs> no <however>. kidding. Right? <laughs> well, great. Uh, well, you know, on behalf of TopCast, Cast, uh, thank you, Susan. Thank Wakeman, you, Susan, for uh, being a guest on our show. Uh, we Come were, back anytime. Yeah, and we we were looking for an opportunity to get her on the show for a long time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad we we're able to work that out.
2: We got to check back in with her and see uh, see how things are going there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So until next time, for TopCast, Cast, I'm Tom. I'm Kelvin. See ya.